As you may or may not know, we are in a series on the book of Acts, and we are coming to our final portion of that series. And so you might be really excited about that or really sad, or you might be like, I didn't even know we were in the book of Acts, just depending on where you are on that spectrum. You could have any number of responses. So um, what's happening in this last portion of the book is we find our narrator, who is Luke, who is a companion of Paul, who we're just reading about, is showing us this last leg of Paul's journey as a missionary. He's been zigzagging through the ancient Middle East and Asia and these places, um, spreading this new gospel, this new idea about a savior that sprung up out of Judaism, that died on a cross and resurrected again. And he's, he's spreading this news everywhere. And then something starts to happen. Something in him starts nagging at him that he needs to go back to where all this started, to his home. He needs to go back to Jerusalem. And as he is thinking about this and feeling compelled by the Spirit to do this, he is realizing and he's being told by the Holy Spirit, he's being told by others that what he is going to face there will not be pleasant for him. And yet he decides to go. And so this series is about that journey, this final series and acts that we're doing together. And it's about facing not just a geographical place or a specific religious center, but it's about facing your life, facing life. That's the name of this series, is what does it mean for us as Christians and skeptics and people to face life? And so that's where we find ourselves here. We're going to start this morning. The title of the sermon is Facing Limits, Facing Limits. I can eat an entire buffalo chicken pizza from Memphis Pizza Cafe. The whole thing. But should I do that? Probably not. Um, I could, I'm capable of staying up. I could start at, you know, like 5.30 p.m. and end somewhere the next day doing a marathon of Rocky movies. Hey, there's like uh, 12 now, something like that. Anybody else? Anybody like Rocky? No Rocky fans out there? I've been, I've, I've been flirting with the idea. Becky doesn't know this, but I've been sneaking little time periods where I look at old Rocky trailers on YouTube. And I just, I just imagine what it would be like just watching all of those back to back. But I don't think I should do that. <laughs> What am I getting at? You guys get what I'm getting at, right? There are reasons why we shouldn't do certain things. There are reasons why there are limitations. There's things that we could do that we ought not to do. I remember reading somewhere in the scriptures that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And yet I think this is a very difficult thing for us as Western upwardly mobile Americans to really grasp this idea of limits. 
uh, because we live in an era and a time period of the world where almost nothing, we are limited by almost nothing. Your friend lives really far away. Well, you could just hop in a car and drive there. You can fly there. Uh, you can go to another country to visit somebody and be back in a couple of days. Boom, get some shots, hop on an airplane. Five days, you're back, right? You don't have to write letters. You don't have to have a pen pal. You don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. Um, we can stay up really late because we have electricity. You could just flip the light switch on. I wonder how many of us could stay up past eight o'clock without electricity, right? I bet almost everybody in this room, as soon as the sun set right now, thinking about how tired you actually are, if the sun set and you couldn't flick on a light, boom, everybody in your house would be knocked out except for if you have a two and a half week old. Yeah, there's not a lot of sleeping happening right now. And so when we think about limits and we think about the situation that we're in right now, we're in a tough spot to be able to really understand what it is that Paul grasped so well in these scriptures that we're going to look at in this period of life that we were, that uh, he is in, in the place that we're looking. Because the way that most of us have been taught about limits is that they're bad, right? Anybody ever hear when you were a kid, you can be anything you want to be? Anybody ever hear that? That's wrong. You can't. You can't be anything you want to be. You have all kinds of limitations. You have genetic limitations on your body. Like, I thought I was going to be some kind of superstar athlete. Well, I had really flat feet, and I got shin splints every time I ran more than a couple of miles and had to ice my legs. And now if I go running, I'm going to have to have knee surgery. So that didn't work out for me. You have all types of limits on what you can actually do or become. I would even tell my students. I'd tell them because I used to be a teacher. I used to be a high school and elementary teacher. I didn't tell the elementary kids this, but I did tell the high school kids this. You can't be anything you want to be. What are you, you crazy? You're, you're probably terrible at a lot of things, and you could work really hard at them and never get that good at them. I could never be a rocket scientist. I could never do that. I could never master those equations. It's just not in the cards for me. And I could spend a whole lot of time and effort and energy trying to do that. You ever think about that? What are you really bad at? What could you not do if you really wanted to? There are probably some things right now that you shouldn't do, that you can't really do well, but you're trying to anyway. And it's taking a ton of your time and your energy, and it's hurting your relationships with God, with yourself even, and with those around you. There's probably something in your life like that that you're doing right now. Yeah, this is not an inspirational sermon so far, is it? Whew. Um, okay, here we go. Here we go to the inspiration part, all right? So I think, I think what's true about this is that facing limits is not about playing life small. I think that when we understand our limitations properly, it actually unlocks for us the potential of becoming who God made us to be. That facing your limitations can actually unlock the potential for who it is that God has made you to be. So let's take a look 
in the scriptures and see some of the things that is happening with Paul where he is having to start to face his limits in some ways that we'll be able to relate to. So first, when we look um, at a chapter previous to the one I just read from in Acts chapter 20, verse 16, and it's gonna be on the screen here, we see Paul in the midst of his journeys and, he, and it says this, that Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. Paul had connections all over the world. He had met so many people and he had convinced them by the power of the Spirit, by his preaching, by miracles about this person, Jesus, that Jesus was the Messiah and the Savior. He could have ended up in any one of those places. He could have stayed in any one of those places and made a life for himself. But I think Paul, he understood something that's, that's a very difficult concept for people like us and our generations in this room to grasp. And that is that there is something about home, there's something about where you come from that is absolutely essential to understanding who you are. That no matter how far you try to get away from those things, the way you were brought up, the religious background that you were brought up or not brought in, the morals that you were taught or not taught, the type of school or town that you're from, the way those people saw the world politically or otherwise, that no matter how you try to get away from those things, it's almost like, though I heard a woman describe this before in a devotional that I read recently. She was describing her past as being like her hair when she was swimming. All right, stay with me, okay? That she's swimming and her hair is stretched out behind her. You've seen that, right, in a movie or if you go to an actual pool, right? And you see somebody swimming with long hair and it just floats behind them. And she said, as long as she kept moving, as long as she didn't hold still, then her hair never touched her. But the moment that she stopped, her hair landed all in her face and on her shoulders. It swooshed around and enveloped her. That's what our life is like. That's what our past is like. And I'm betting that there are people in this room who are running away from something right now from our past life, that there are shame narratives in our life about how we wished we would have knew to do this. We wished we didn't let this person do that to us. We wished we were stronger or smarter and that we understood something that we understand now. And those things are just trailing right behind us waiting for us to stop. Anybody thinking of anything in their mind? Anything coming to your mind when you think about that? I think that's part of what was happening for Paul. You see, this all started here for Paul. It all started in Jerusalem where he was heading because Jerusalem was where he was brought up. It was where he learned how to be 
this very astute, intelligent, multilingual, multicultural, smooth-talking guy who was in line for one of the highest religious positions of his people, the high priest, studied under Gamamiel. I don't remember how to say that name. Um, And he got so far as to be someone who ended up so dogmatic in his religion that he was imprisoning people who were identifying as Christians. And... Uh, putting his, casting his vote when it came to a vote whether somebody would be killed or not. And he would vote, yes, I want them killed. You can think about situations not the same as that, probably not in your life, but similar to where you put your vote in to something, to some situation, to some um, place where there was someone who was vulnerable and you voted against that person. You voted for something harmful to happen to them because at the time you believed that that was the right thing for you to do or that was the, um, that was the best way for you to play your moves at the time to get you where you wanted to go or what you needed to be. And so Paul is from this place that you would think all he would want to do is forget these things, forget the way he used to live, and leave all those, those bigoted, racist people behind, those people who had nothing good for him and the message of love that he was trying to spread through Jesus Christ, through this idea that all people would be unified under the Messiah of Christ the head of Christ, but he makes a different decision. And it's not just him that's causing him to do this. It's the spirit of God within him. This, this verse here um, in Acts uh, twenty twenty two, we see Paul saying it like this. And now compelled by the spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. That's part of the reason why we don't want to do these things. We don't don't know a lot of times what's going to happen to us if we choose to face those things that we're running from. We can imagine, we have really good imagination and it's bad. And so we don't want to go there. But let's look back at this word here, compelled. I wondered as I looked at the Greek that was translated compelled, what were some of the other ways that this word could be translated? I want to show them to you on the screen. Captive. Constrained. Bound. Compelled. That he must obey and determined. What happens to a person where they become that convinced to enter into something that they know, all they know about it is that it's probably not going to be easy and that there's going to be a lot of things that you encounter heading back to face those things, to face the limits of where you came from What happens to a person to where they get to the point 
where they can hear God and feel compelled and bound, determined, held captive to do that type of work. Maybe you say, no, Jamin, I know what will happen if I return home. I'm very aware of what that might mean. And if you're that sure of that, you're probably still bound by whatever's there. You're probably still tangled up in what's there floating behind you in the water that envelops you every time you stop. Here's the thing, your past, what you think is behind you, it can either inform your present or it can control your future. Your past, it can either, if you choose to face it and you face the limits of where you're from, it can either inform your present or it can control your future. And Paul knew that. And Paul knew that it was God that was telling him to move forward and deal with it. So what is it for you? Is it, is it your school? Is it what happened when you were in school? Is it your parents or your caregivers? What are those things that you're afraid to look at, that you're afraid to go back to, that you couldn't imagine ever feeling compelled or bound to move towards those things instead of away from them. I think there is a profound secret to the Christian faith that exists when we are willing to face our limits that doesn't get talked about very often. But Paul talked about it a lot and the people around him, even other believers, didn't always understand those things. Maybe with your family, you've said something like this. I know I have. I'm never going to be like that when you were growing up. I'm never going to do what my mom or my dad or my other caregiver did to me. And you try really hard not to, but then one day you wake up and you are like, oh, well, that didn't work. I am. I'm just like my parents. (laughs) I've watched my friends like morph physically, and, and, and by their outfits that they wear and the things they say. And it's like, you are your dad. You look exactly like him. You care about the exact same things as him. The things you laughed, we laughed together about your dad when we were 15. And now you do the exact same things. And we kind of shrug and we, well, yeah, well. I care about like, putting a new shelf up now. That's what I care about, right? <laughs> uh, this, is, this is a really common thing, isn't it? That we end up being exactly the way that we don't want to be based on our past. Why is Paul any different? Why does Paul get to say, I'm compelled to go here. I'm going to face the limitations of where I was from. I'm going to look them square in the eye because I I feel compelled by God's spirit to go there and to do this. See, part of the reason we don't want to is because something in us was exposed in those moments. 
a vulnerability, a need that we had. And that need wasn't met and we were hurt and we were harmed by those things. We were hurt and harmed by Christianity, by a way that somebody treated us. And so what we say to ourselves is, I'm closing that part up of me so that can never happen to me again. The problem with that is, is whatever that thing was that hurt you, it could only hurt you because you needed it. And so if you decide you're gonna close yourself off to those things, you're gonna get rid of the vulnerabilities inside of you, then you're closing yourself off to your humanity. And we, we do things like spiritually bypass these things. Well, you know, it's all covered in the blood of Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm moving upward and onward and everything will be right in heaven. All's forgiven. And meanwhile, the past is just coming up right behind us and it's binding the possibilities for our future in the wrong ways because you will all have limits on what we can do and where we can go. Your past can either inform those or your past can bind you through those. So this really dramatic thing happens, right? In the, in the verses that we read, this prophet comes. In Acts 21, verse 10 and 11, this guy comes, let's read it. Um, Acts uh, 21, 10 and 11. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. We all want to feel and believe that if we do the right things, then stuff is just going to work out for us. We don't ever have to face the limits that God has put in place for us. That if we can just know enough and do enough of those right things and not make the mistakes of the people before us or the people coming after us, then it's going to work out for us. And this prophet Agabus, unfortunate name, comes and he takes Paul's belt off of him. And he says, I want to make something really clear to you. He doesn't give any judgment about this. Like we see some other folks telling him, telling Paul, don't go, don't do this. He doesn't make a judgment about it, but he pulls this thing off, pulls his belt off, and he wraps it around his own arms and his own legs. He hog ties himself. That must have taken a minute. I wonder if he asked for help. Did you help? Just, I, I didn't think this through all the way. <laughs> Just heard from God and I did it. And he says, make no mistake, Paul. This is what you are headed for if you follow that thing you are compelled to do and you enter back into Jerusalem, where you are from, where your limits lie where everything about you will be put on blast for everybody to see. Why? Paul, 
Paul knew that he had that choice. That he could continue. He could could go anywhere he wanted to. He could say anything. He could be anything. But for him, and where he grew up, what his religious background, his ethnic background was, his time and place in history among the saints, that what he needed to do was go back to Jerusalem. He didn't need to be like anybody else. He needed to do what he needed to do. And that meant facing things that he never would have wanted to look at. Acts 21, verse 12, it says, when he heard this, and we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem, then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. You ever think about death? I do. I actually think about it so much that I have like a top three uh, ways I'm going to die scenarios in my imagination. All right, you want to hear them? Okay, so the first one is terminal cancer. So I imagine that one day I'm going to go to the doctor And they're going to say, yep, you've got cancer. It's all through your body. It's untreatable. And you have X amount of days or years to live. And I think about that and I wonder, okay, if and when that happens, um, what would I change about my life? What would I do differently? I think about um, dying in a plane crash a lot because I fly a lot. And so um, I don't know if you've ever been asleep on a plane when really bad turbulence happens. It's scary. Sometimes I've been so tired uh, when I'm on a plane flying back home that the turbulence is happening and the plane's shaking and I'm like not quite awake. And so like my dream is this insane turbulence just going on and on and on and on. And then when the plane lands, I'm like, I'm alive? How is that possible? I died like five times in my imagination. And then a car crash. You know, that's, everybody thinks about that one probably. And I think, I wonder, what would I change? How would my life be different? You're going to die. Every person in this, <laughs> Matt just walked in. That was the first thing he heard. He's like, oh, he's like, checking for a weapon. <laughs> Every one of us are going to die. And you don't get to decide when or how. Sure, you should take care of your body. You shouldn't say, see, honey, the pastor said I don't have any choice, so I can eat bacon every day, right? 
And so I wonder, what is it right now? What is it right now that you are refusing to acknowledge in your life? The limits you refuse to look at. It could be your career. It could be something that you're focused on so much, you're neglecting the thing that's most important. A relationship that's most important for you. And it's because you refuse to acknowledge your limitations. That that wasn't meant for you. That just because they got that promotion, that doesn't mean they have the life that you need to have. This is something Paul understood. It's, it's thinking like, I've got to get that kind of person. I've got to get that kind of spouse. Or I've got to get to this level And because you are so focused on this, I'm an artist, and artists are the worst at this. You are so focused on achieving this thing, refusing to acknowledge the limitations that anyone around you could point out to you. And so you're neglecting the most important things that are right there in front of you. Because Paul knew he was going to die. He didn't care how he wanted to know what he was going to do with his life. My poor baby just fell. What was he going to do with his life? How was he going to fulfill his purpose, his potential? And a lot of us, because of where we live, because of what we see on screens all the time, we're spending a whole lot of time and energy trying to live somebody else's life. Whose life are you trying to live right now? Rocky Balboa, baby. Now Creed, right? I can still do it, babe. Until I hit 40, I got time. I got time. There's, world, there's heavyweight champions that are 40 years old. There have been. Rocky was like a heavyweight champion when he was like 60 in like the last Rocky movie. He's like, hey, yo, they'll hold my cane. I got this, you know? but you're gonna die. That's a limit, right? And if you think, well, I'm just gonna like go hard, do it the way I want to, and let God make it all right. Well, the guy who spent the majority of his adult life preaching that gospel for the first time didn't think that way. He said, I'm compelled to face my limitations, to face where I'm from. That's where I'm headed. That's where I'm going. And here's what's strange. If we go back to verse three and four in the same chapter in Acts 21 that we read in the beginning, uh, Luke's narrating, he said, we landed at Tyre where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. I don't don't quite get that. And uh, that was something I spent some time. I just wanted to see what some of the other Uh, theologians wrote about them. Most of them kind of glossed over it and kind of moved on. But there's an undeniable thing that's happening here where some people 
that knew Paul and cared deeply about him, the, the scripture says, by the spirit, were trying to keep him back from going. That they, that they knew that something was going to happen to Paul if he faced that, if he faced his mortality, if he, if he faced the limits of who he was and where he came from and where he was meant to go in life. And they said that's what God was prompting them in their hearts. If you live with limits, there will be lots of people who care about you, who pray, who seek to hear from God, who will try to discourage you from that. I'll give you just a few small examples. Um, you know, things that, that some of us can relate to, things from your own life. Like, why do you need to have that kind of limit in your life? Like, why do you need to not um, go out past a certain time? Why do you need to go to AA meetings or SA meetings? That takes a lot of time, doesn't it? Like, why do you need to do those type of things? Why do you need to have um, filters and things on your technology devices that protect where you can go on the internet? These are just small, simple limitations that people can mock you for or people can even begin to say, well, I'm concerned if you need that. Well, I'm concerned that you don't think you need those limits. There are probably many of us who are still thinking in our minds, I can beat this addiction in my life and I can just do it through self-will. You gotta know your limits. You're not gonna beat nothing by yourself. Nothing. It'll just be trailing right behind you the whole time. <laughs> I'm, I'm addicted to coffee. And uh, I've been very, very aware of that uh, with the birth of, of Xavier Luke Carter um, because I've been having these crazy headaches and I realize it's because it's like 10 a.m. and I haven't drank any coffee because I took the kids to the park to try to let Becky sleep or I took them to Chick-fil-A and I'm like, have my notes out and stuff while they're running around in the little playground and slobbering all over the window. And somebody's like, hey, your kid went over there. I'm like, oh, great. But we have these, these things, these areas in our life that we just don't wanna live. We don't wanna live with limits. And those things can destroy your life. And many of you know what I'm talking about. And some of us have yet to experience that. And I pray, God, you experience it sooner than later. This is actually, as we get to the close of this, this is not some fatalistic thing that Paul is saying here, that he's, that he's willing to die for this. It's not a fatalistic faith. It's not a, I'm just gonna wear myself out. But this is the heart of Christianity, 
The gospel of Christianity is one that says you were so limited, you could not access and find God as he was made to be known and seen. And so God actually had to come into your same reality and show you what it looked like to live with limits. This is the story. This is the narrative. This is Genesis with Adam and Eve. This is that story that appeals to us on such a primal level where it was that, it wasn't that, Adam and Eve didn't want to love God or be around God. They just didn't want to need him. They just didn't want to have limits. And so one thing that we can learn from Paul as we continue on this journey with him of facing life is to start being willing to face limits. What, what are you going to face that you said that's in the past? I'm just getting over that. This is where God meets us. This is the point in history of Jesus on that cross. This is a way that we can access a deeper faith where when those moments come up, we are willing to face our limitations and live our life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for uh, this congregation. I thank you for the courage that I've seen and so many people in here to, to face their limits and the faith that's growing because of that. And God, I pray that you would give us an even uh, deeper courage and faith and show us the purpose in being not someone else, but who you created us to be. That knowing we're all going to die, that we can, like Paul, Say, I'm good with the limits. I'm going to be what you've made me to be. Amen.